Amen, amen, amen. Good morning, how you doing? Somebody tell me good morning. I need you to start talking back to me now. Welcome to Victory Church. Do me a favor, you can just kind of shout out to people. They just say, hey, how you doing? You can kind of give one of them airwaves and, you know, talk to them like you talk to your neighbors. You know how you do where you stand on your porch and they stand on their porch and you're just kind of, hey. Those kind of things, just kind of say hi. Hey, welcome to all of our online family. It's so incredible to have you with us. Again, just a reminder, we are open when it comes to our auditorium. And so anytime that you want to come and worship with us live, come on and join us. God continues to do something so sweet in this place. And every week, our family is coming back together one by one by one. And certainly for all of those of you that have started uh, attending Victory and watching with Victory since the COVID hit, we, we would absolutely love to meet you. We'd absolutely love to put a face to a name. So come and join us every Sunday right here, 10 a.m. Um, God's doing great things. Let me, let me, let me just hear you talk back to me for a second. How you doing this morning? There we go. All right. Got some love. Got some love. We are uh, still in our series called The Journey, where we are breaking down the book of John verse by verse. Um, and we're actually going to be still in John chapter 9 today. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of John chapter 9. And while you're turning there, I just want to kind of highlight a couple of things that are happening in the church that you get to be a part of. Um, number one, I wanna encourage you to check on Facebook our December schedule. And so December is a little bit unique to what the schedule will be moving forward into 2021 because we're trying to be very sensitive to the holidays, very sensitive to what's happening with the pandemic, and we definitely wanna make sure that you're able to spend the holidays with your family. And so we will be meeting again in person next week, and then the 24th, which is Christmas Eve, in case you've been under a rock for the, you know, the remainder of your life, but uh, on the 24th, Christmas Eve, we will put a special worship service out that you can do with your family, Christmas carols, and then we'll take communion together as a church. And then on the 27th, which is that Sunday right after Christmas Eve, we will not be meeting in person. It'll be just online only. We encourage you to stay home with your family in your Christmas PJs, eating your Christmas food. And then January, I think third it might be, I'm not sure, the first Sunday in January, we'll be right back here in person. And so just get on Facebook, check out that December schedule. Uh, also, we had another song from the album drop this weekend. Yeah, y'all, are y'all getting that Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, the music videos on YouTube. Go listen to that. Our worship team is off the chain. And so, of course, you guys know this because you experience them every Sunday, but they, they wrote, every song they have is an original song that they wrote and recorded and um, put it onto an album called The Journey. So go listen to those songs, download those songs, and watch those videos. Last but not least, I want to encourage you that Purpose Prevails is still going on this month. Uh, it's our end of the year annual giving that we encourage you to pray about and give in faith towards. And then we take that as a church and we turn around and bless our community uh, and do all that we can so that more people will come to know Jesus. Can I just share with you real quick three things that you, church, you have done in December when it comes to the community? Number one, you linked up with the YMCA. You've heard me talk about this. You linked up with the YMCA of Rutherford County um, or North Rutherford County, YMCA. And we, we put together kind of an angel tree of families in our community and you help get those gifts and then you will help wrap those gifts. And I think it ended up being 18 families will experience Christmas because of your generosity. Second, all right, before you can even celebrate, watch this. Second, you provided for eight kids 
through Rock Springs Middle School. So because of your faithfulness, we, we just dropped off today Christmas presents for eight kids that attend Rock Springs Middle School that might not have been able to have a Christmas. And then on top of that, you gave $1,000 to the Smyrna Food Bank called the Nourish Food Bank to be able to provide canned goods and food for people during the holidays. So all of those people are experiencing a great Christmas because of your faithfulness. Come on and just give yourself a hand for a second. Come on now, that's what I'm talking about. God provides seed to the sower. When we are given, God will always make sure we get, but we don't get so we can keep. We get so we can keep what? Giving, yes. The more that we give, the more God's name becomes famous, the more people get to go to heaven, and that's what it's about. Amen? Amen? So thank you. Thank you for being faithful, uh, and I want to encourage you as we get ready to collect that Purpose Prevails offering throughout December, uh, pray, give faithfully to that so that we can turn around and do just as much and more next year. You ready for the word? All right, if you got your Bibles, John chapter 9, we're going to start at verse 14. So if you're with us last week, we did a message called When Bad Things Happen to Good People. And we really opened it up with the beginning of John 9 where Jesus comes, inter, uh, uh, comes to interact with a man who was born blind. And there is this whole discussion about with the disciples is why he was born blind and so on and so on. And Jesus laid out some really great principles that I felt like we could take and apply to our life when we start to wonder why do bad things happen to good people? And so we're picking up right after that. And what's happened is the way Jesus healed him is he, you probably know this if you've been around uh, Sunday school or anything. He spit in the dirt, made mud, put it on the man's eyes, and then told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he did that and he was healed, but it caused some controversy with the religious people. And, and this is the conversation we're going to pick up on. So John chapter 9, verse 14 starts like this. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. It was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him, how had he received sight? So if you just got sight on a Sabbath, it, depending on how you got it, you might have broke the law, sir. So how did you receive sight? And he said, he put mud on my eyes, and then I washed, and now I see. All I know is he put mud on my eyes, I went to the pool of Siloam, I washed, and now I can see. So then some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, well, then how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man and they said, well, what, what do you have to say about him? It was your eyes that he opened. And the man replied, I think he's a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. All right. So they were in such denial. They went and got the dude's mom and dad and brought them in and said, hey, is this your son? Is this the one that you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? Parents answered, we know he is our son, and we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Everybody say, I don't know. I want to talk to you for a moment from the idea this morning, drawing a conclusion. Drawing a conclusion. Have, have you ever been in a situation where you had to draw a conclusion on what was going on and you were wrong? You ever had that happen? So, so just recently, I had a couple from the church call me, sweet couple, and she said, hey, um, my father wants to meet with you. Now, normally, that's not good for me, okay? Um, very, very rarely do people call the pastor because they want to be excited about the good things that are happening. Doesn't happen a lot, right? I don't get many phone calls where people say, hey, I just want to let you know, 
you're awesome. It doesn't happen a lot. Uh, no, normally, when people want to meet with you, you have done something to offend them, and something's wrong, and you've got to fix that situation. So, so when this woman said, hey, my dad wants to meet with you, I thought, oh, great. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. And so it was, I think it was a Tuesday night, and I went over to their house, uh, the, the, the parents, and I knocked on the door, and the wife answered the door, and she is just an angel. And so I came in, hugged her, and, and the, the husband was sitting on the couch, and he got up and greeted me. And then I go in, and I sit down on the couch, and I'm sitting there, and you know, I'm, I've kind of got, you remember, if you can remember this, depending on what kind of kids you were in high school, did you ever go to the principal's office in high school? You remember that was like when you're sitting there and you're not really sure what's about to happen from that point forward? Like you could be expelled or a spanking or whatever your school did. Um, so anyway, so I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, here we go. And, and, and they went on for like 45 minutes to share this ridiculous, incredible testimony that God had done in healing his body and doing a few other, it was just phenomenal testimony. I was just sitting there going, this is incredible. Um, and still kind of wondered like, but what's going what's gonna to happen to me? Right? You know, God's great, but Troy, you're terrible. And so we're just kind of walking through the process. And then, so he stands up and he goes, hey, he goes, I've been watching you online. And he said, I, I believe you love God and I, and I love what you're saying in your sermons. He said, and I know that in this season, it, it's possible that the church could be struggling financially. And so he said, I just wanted to, to give something to the church. And, and he hands me $5,000 for the church. The conclusions that you and I draw are often determined by what we know. Right? What, what, what we already know is what is often leading us to draw the conclusions that we draw. For example, the man who was blind and now sees, he doesn't know Jesus. He doesn't know who Jesus is. So the conclusion that he draws is that all I know is that I was blind and now I see. That's all I know. I don't know who Jesus is. I don't know all this religious jargon. I just know I was blind and now I know I can see, so maybe I draw a conclusion that he must be a prophet. Maybe he's from God. Meanwhile, on the other side are the religious leaders who all they know is the law. All they know is the religious law, and therefore they draw a totally different conclusion, which is he can't be from God because he broke the law. So both of these people have drawn two completely different conclusions about the same man simply because the conclusion that they drew was determined by what they know. Does that make sense? This is why you and I could be looking at the same Jesus and draw two different conclusions. This is why me and you could be looking at the same culture and draw two different conclusions. The, 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 the same holiday, the same pandemic. We can all be looking at the same situation and draw two different conclusions because we're drawing our conclusion based on what we already know. So let me ask you a quick question. We'll come back to this towards the end of the message. When it comes to 2020, how are you drawing your conclusions? Right? Like, for example, if somebody said, hey, I want you to draw a conclusion for 2020. Would it, would it look like this? Let's see. If, I'm not really the best artist. Y'all know what that is? Okay, there we go. Right? Yeah. Would that, be, would that be the conclusion that you would draw for 2020? You know what I mean? It's like it's that concept of how are you doing it? How are you drawing your conclusion? Better yet, who's drawing your conclusion? Like, have, have you even thought about that? When it comes to your faith right now, when it comes to your mental state, 
when it comes to your emotional state. I posted something on Facebook a couple days ago or shared it where there was this study done that said across all people, male, female, black, white, Hispanic, uh, uh, Democrat, Republican, across all people, the only section of people whose mental state is trending upward right now are the people who are attending church weekly. So here's my question. How are you drawing conclusions when it comes to 2020, when it comes to your health, when it comes to your mental health, your emotional How are you drawing conclusions? And then that made me kind of arrive at this. What if, what if we're supposed to let Jesus draw our conclusions, right? Now, I know that's kind of, I'll be honest with you, I've never thought about that statement before in my life. Like, like never before have, would I have ever came to you and said, Jesus should be drawing your conclusions, because that sounds a little weird, and, and I never really would make that connection, but after studying these verses for a while, I, something just kept popping out to me about what they know versus what they don't know, and I started realizing, man, I'm, I'm guilty of drawing my conclusions based off of what I know, and so the only way that I can really get to a healthy place in that is for me to quit being the one who draws my own conclusions and start allowing Jesus to be the one who draws my conclusions. Amen? So we can go home? You're good with that? Obviously, how do we do that? Right? Like, how, how do you do that? Well, here's the very first thing that you and I have to be able to do if you want Jesus to draw your conclusions. Number one is this. You have to learn to start letting go of what you know. In order for Jesus to be able to be the one who draws your conclusions, you have got to get to a place where you are consistently able to let go of what you know. Okay? All right, back to scripture, John chapter nine. Watch what it says. It says, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. I'm gonna explain that in a minute. But others asked, well, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided, right? So there is this split right down the middle. These people were one happy group of religious leaders and then all of a sudden something happened and what they knew wasn't lining up with what they could see. And all of a sudden one person said, well, based off of what I know, he cannot be from God. But then the other person said, but based off of what I know, a sinner can't perform those signs. So they were going back and forth on what they know. And it's wild because they're trying to draw a conclusion about Jesus, but they're divided based off of what they know. Here's the really crazy thing. There's something in them that wants to believe in Jesus, but they cannot get past what they know. You ever, been a, you ever, you ever come in contact with somebody and you could tell there was something in them that wanted to believe in Jesus, but they just couldn't get past what they know? Some, some of the, the, the biggest walls that I run into when I try to share the gospel with somebody is they will not pull back from what they know. Well, I, I know this and I know that. And it's because of what they just can't seem to get past it. Let, let me tell you what's happening with the Sabbath situation. I shared this a couple of months ago, um, but I'm going to go into a little bit more detail specifically. So, so there, you had the law from Moses and then the religious leaders took it and they started adding things to the law. So for example, in the law said, keep the Sabbath. That was a true law. You need to keep the Sabbath. Do not work on the Sabbath, rest on the Sabbath. But then these men took it, these religious leaders took it and they started adding all these little attributes to it. 
And I talked about how like, you couldn't turn on a light, you couldn't look in a mirror, you couldn't put on your peg leg, you couldn't put in your false teeth. Like it was crazy because if you put in your false teeth and they fell out, you had to pick them up, that'd be working. So it was just wild, the stuff they added to it. Well, one of the things they added was you could not knead, K-N-E-A-D. You couldn't knead bread, right? You couldn't knead. That was one of the things you couldn't do. And they say that when Jesus spit into the dirt to make mud, which side note, because I think like this, how much spitting did Jesus have to do? to make dirt into mud. You know what I'm saying? If you ever, do me a favor. When you leave, there's some dirt outside the school. Spit in it. See if you can gather enough mud to put on your kid's face. Just try it. Just see if it works, okay? Um, and then maybe they're healed. I don't know. But, but so, so they say that when he did that, he was kneading the mud, and therefore he was breaking the law. All they knew was the law. And so because they knew the law, What they know is that Jesus can't be from God. So they've drawn this conclusion because of what they know. Is it possible that you, that I, that somebody who's watching right now has drawn a wrong, incorrect uh, conclusion of who Jesus is based off of what they know? Let me ask like this. Similar to these religious leaders, I often find what I know, frustrating what I believe. You been there? Come out, you know what I mean? Like, like, like what, what you know is just frustrating what you believe. So then here's my ultimate question that we're getting to with this. What if in order for Jesus to be all that Jesus wants to be in your life, what if the first step is allowing Jesus to challenge what you know? What if the first step for Jesus to be everything, not just Savior, but King, right? For him to be everything in your life. What if the very first step you and I have to learn is how to let him and let his word challenge what we think we know? There's a legal term called the ignorance of law, or or another word for it would be uh, willful blindness, okay? And the concept is this, that somebody would actually avoid responsibility. They seek to avoid responsibility of something by keeping themselves unaware of what's happening right in front of them, okay? So it's willful blindness. In other words, I'm going to pretend like I don't see it because watch this. If I see it, I'm responsible for it, right? Parents, or, or those of you who aren't parents, you'll realize this when you become a parent, There are sometimes, normally the second kid, definitely the third kid, where you see your kid doing something and you know you should stop them because they're probably going to get hurt, but you're like, they need to learn. So you pretend like you don't see it, right? Because then if you don't see it and your wife comes in and be like, I didn't even know it was happening. Like, I didn't know she was about to grab that TV on her head. My bad. So it's willful blindness. It's happening right in front of us, but we would actually not want to admit it Because if I admit it, that I see it, now I'm responsible for it. And I don't want it to challenge what I already know. Listen, when what we know is comfortable, when what we know is easy, when what we know is what we like, then the last thing we want somebody to do is to challenge what we know. So we will avoid seeing the things that are right in front of us. Because we are afraid that once we recognize it, it will have the ability to challenge now what 
we know. Make sense? All right, so, so I'm not gonna show you this verse again, but, but you can go back and look at it later. In verse 18, something happens with these Pharisees that I thought was so crazy. There's a point where they say in the scripture that maybe this man was never blind, okay? So watch this. They are in such denial that this could be Jesus and that Jesus could have healed this man because if it's Jesus, then he begins to challenge everything that they know. So they would rather put on this willful blindness and say, you know what? I'm not even sure he was ever actually blind. This guy's been blind his entire life. Everybody in the town knows he's blind. He has been going through, I'm not gonna mimic being blind, I feel like that'd be disrespectful, but, but you just imagine living life as a blind person. For years, tens of years, this guy has acted blind, and they would rather think that he's been putting on a show for years, that he's been pretending to be blind since he was a baby. How does a baby pretend to be blind? They would rather believe that than allow Jesus to challenge what they know. Some of us would, would rather believe some of the most ludicrous things than to allow Jesus to challenge what we know. I thought this was funny. It takes more faith to believe that than it does to believe in Jesus. It took more faith in them to believe that this baby was faking to be blind than it would have taken them to believe that maybe, 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 maybe Jesus is sent from God. The problem is that Jesus is trying to challenge what we know, church. He's doing all that he can through his scripture to challenge what we think we know. And the reason he's doing it, listen to me, is because he understands that what you know often shapes what you see. What you know often shapes what you see. And I'm gonna illustrate it for you. Can everybody see this? We can make sure it gets on the TV. All of our online family, you're about to see. Who's the guy that does the painting? Um, wow, Bob Ross is very popular at Victory Church. Um, this is about to be straight up artistic. Like, y'all are gonna want me to autograph some of this stuff when it's over. And so, all right, so let's, let's y'all ever play Pictionary? You ever play Pictionary? So as soon as you know what I'm drawing, shout it out. All right, you ready? Here we go. Cat, how'd you know? It was the whiskers. You know because you've seen a cat before. And my friends, that's a beautiful cat. All right, you see that? All right, let's try, let's try another one. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah, there you go. Good job. You're really good at Pictionary. All right. Um, okay, uh, all right, here's another one. You ready? Victory logo, in case you're watching online and you haven't seen it because we haven't made it. It's the Victory logo. All right. Hold on. I need some more space for this next one. All right. It's important for me to keep this up. This got to make my point. So what was that again? Okay. All right. You're ready. This is going to be the hardest one I've done yet. Okay. I heard it, I think. No, well, that's a good one, too. Apparently, there's a lot of people in our church that looks like this. <laughs> but hold on, somebody said it. What'd you say? But after that. Jamal, there's where I heard it. It's Jamal, everybody. 
right? Bingo. If I'd have done like a music note or something, you would know. Or if, if you know, now it's Andrew, just like that. See, it's just it's boom, boom. Okay, now this is embarrassing. But here's my point to this. Okay, what did y'all say this was? Who did you, before the beard, who did you say this was? Jamal. Okay, now let me ask you this. If you took this board right now and you went to Franklin, Tennessee, and you walked into a restaurant and said, hey, we're playing Pictionary. I want you to tell me what this is. How many of you think they would guess the Victory logo? Probably not many, right? Even less would guess that this is Jamal. Here's why. Because they don't know the Victory logo. And they don't know Jamal, right? So my point to that is, what you know, let me erase it because you won't be able to pay attention to me for the rest of the sermon if you see Jamal staring at me. My point is that what you know shapes what you see. That when somebody starts to draw something, in case, let me break down the psychological background behind Pictionary. You ready? When someone starts to draw something, your brain starts processing everything that it knows. And whatever, everything it knows, it has whiskers. Cat, dog, so on. Everything you know that has pointy ears, everything you know that has glasses, it just, your mind starts to process everything you know, and it begins to shape what you see. And Jesus understands that he has to challenge what we know, because if he doesn't challenge what we know, what we know will shape what we see. And Jesus says, I have to go after what you know, because everything that you know is impacting what you see. Make sense? So, how do we let go of what we know? How do we get to a place where we can let go of what we know? And beginning to let go of what you know starts with you being able to be honest about what you don't. Okay? For you to let go of what you know starts with you being honest about what you don't know. Let's go back to John chapter 9. Something this, this is actually the, the interaction between the parents and the Pharisees. This is the interaction that made me want to preach these scriptures. I was actually going to skip through these verses and just email them on the guidelines and go on to go to 10. But something happened in this interaction that I thought, this is probably some of the most powerful verses I've ever read. We have to talk about this, all right? So watch this. It says, they sent for the man's parents, and here's what they asked him. Is this your son? They've got this man. He's standing there. He can now see. They say, is this your son? Is this the one you say that was born blind? How is it now that he can see? Watch what they say. You ready? Please pay attention to this. We know he is our son. We know it. We know he's our son. Matter of fact, we even know he was born blind. I know he's my son. I know he was born blind. When it comes to how he can see and who made him that way, we don't know. I thought, how powerful is that? The ability to separate what you know and what you don't know, right? I, I think that is a characteristic that we don't use enough today. My ability to lay out, well, hey, here's what I know, but here's what I don't know. Am I the only person that feels like in my culture today, I'm less of a man if I don't know, that I'm less of an intelligent human being if I don't know the answer, that maybe I'm even less of a spiritual person if I can't give you an answer immediately. 
Listen to me. Our culture today is conditioning us to feel the pressure to provide quick, confident answers as a sign of, of uh, competence. As if gaps in knowledge should be hidden at all costs. Watch this most powerful part. Even if it means we have to trade factual accuracy for immediacy. There's this pressure on us because of our culture that makes us feel like that I cannot have gaps in knowledge. There's even a real pressure that, that says that the human, uh, that our culture does not like silence. So we feel like we have to say something quickly, that we have to have a quick response. That if somebody asks us something, we have to be able to go, well, here's the answer. Even if it means that we are trading factual accuracy, even if you're saying something and it's not true. Come on, have you been on Facebook lately? People are so quick to respond and say something. And then I see this all the time. Two, three, four days later, somebody will come up and go, my bad, I found out that wasn't true. Then why did you say it? Right? Because we're so quick to want to respond because we think we have to know. Because our culture's trying to teach us that if you don't know, something's wrong with you. And that's a problem. Because I serve a Savior who is defined as mysterious. So I'm supposed to be able to be in a situation and be confident with the fact that I don't know everything. Can I set you free for a second? It's okay not to know. We have a saying here that's been going around for years that says it's okay to not be okay. I think that's one of our trademarks. It's okay not to be okay. But I want to start another one to go along with it. It's okay if you don't know. It's okay. Because if I put pressure, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago with the cancel culture, if I put pressure on you to hurry up and know, then you will come up with something just so you can feel like you have an answer, right? We always mark C. Y'all remember that in school? Always, if you don't know, put C. So we just put something out there, but it's not factually accurate. And that will do more damage than us saying, I don't know. So uh, a couple days ago, my, my dad got me a new grill. My, my old grill, the igniter went out, and I tried to light it one time with a lighter, and I almost burned the whole place down. And he found out about it, and so he got me a grill. What I didn't know is that grill, you have to put grills together. I didn't know that. I thought they came together. I just thought, like, somebody in a manufacturer makes them, and they arrive at Home Depot like that. So, so when I got it, I was like, this ought to be fun. So I put it together. Lucky for me, my neighbor came out right next to me, and he's talking to me, and we're having conversation for however long it was. And we talked long enough that I said, here's my opportunity to start talking about Jesus. Because I didn't want to, like, start the conversation that way, but we've been talking about silly stuff for 30 minutes, so now's my opportunity. And so I start talking to him about Jesus, and I'm just saying little things here or there. And I found out that he believes not in God, but in Mother Nature. Like, that, that's his God. Mother Nature is, he called it Jihad. It was, it was, it was, Mother Nature was his God. And so I'm listening to him, and I'm like, okay, okay. And um, every time he would say something, I, I would kind of say something that I knew about Scripture back towards him. Not, not, not in an angry way, but I would just say, well, hey, what about this? Like, one time he talked about Mother Nature being the creator of Jesus, and I walked through, you know, Genesis 1-1, and like, okay, well, wait a minute, because God is in the beginning. The beginning is God, you know, Holy Spirit and Jesus. So, so I don't, you know, Jesus was already there, Mother Nature. And he, and, we're just kinda, and he would immediately cut me off. Again, not disrespectfully, but he would just cut me off and to tell me what he knew. 
And throughout this conversation, matter of fact, I was telling Brian about this. Here's one of the things he said to me that I'll never forget. He said, he said, let me, this is just for humor, okay? He, he said, let me explain to you how I view Mother Nature. I said, bro, give it to me. Um, and he said, so you walk out of your house and you see a blue jay. And he said, and you walk up to it and you, and you put out your right hand and it poops in your right hand. And uh, I said, okay. And he said, then, then I go back into the house. And he said, five years later, you come back out and you see the same blue jay. And he looked at me, he goes, but you won't know it's the same blue jay. And I was like, you're right. And he said, so he said, this time the blue jay poops in your left hand. And he said, how do you know? That's what I did. I was like, I don't even know what's happening right now. <laughs> yeah, but my point is, like, he was so confident about it. A matter of fact, let me tell you how confident he was about it. I was putting some of the screws together. I got up, I said, what? And he told me the same thing again, word for word. I was like, this dude knows his stuff. I don't know where he got it from. But he, and again, because of what he knows, he's having a hard time seeing the conclusion that I'm trying to draw, right? So there's a point where you and I have to get to a place where we can separate what we know and what we don't know. Because if you don't allow Jesus to challenge what you think you know, then you end up drawing your own conclusions. And at some point, it stops you from being able to see what Jesus wants you to see. Amen? So if you're taking notes, every week I've given you a Jesus is. I'm going to give you two Jesus is's today, all right? So if you're taking notes, write it down. The first one is Jesus is challenging what you know. That, that's important. That's not going to be on the screen, but I think I've kind of put that point out there for you, and I think you really need to receive it. Jesus is challenging what you know, okay? Here's the second thing. Jesus is allowed to draw our conclusions. When you allow Jesus to challenge what you know, Jesus is now allowed to draw our conclusions. Now, I'm about to show you something. I'm going to illustrate it here in a moment. That if you've ever read John chapter 9, you've probably skipped right over because it didn't make a lot of sense to you. And normally when we read something, we don't fully know what it says. We just move on because we don't want what we know to be challenged, right? So I want to read something to you that at first you're going to go, that makes sense. But then Jesus is going to say something that will throw you off. Here we go. John chapter 9, Verses 39 through 41, and Jesus said this, for judgment I have come into this world. He meant I'm gonna come and I'm gonna divide the people who believe in Jesus and the people who don't. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to divide, right? Jesus is not here. Everybody's like, he's gonna bring the whole world together. No, when Jesus comes in, it has to divide because you either believe in Jesus or you don't, right? So yeah, I've come into this world, watch this, so that the blind will see. That sounds like Jesus, right? So that the blind will see. He's healing blind eyes. And, watch this, those who see will become blind. Now, wait a minute, Jesus. That doesn't sound Christ-like. That doesn't sound nice. I was all for you giving people who can't see sight, but why are you taking sight away from people who can see? And watch this. Says, Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this, and they asked, what? What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. Now that you claim that you can see, your guilt remains. Now, Jesus is not talking about literal blindness. He's talking about spiritual blindness. But here's what Jesus is ultimately saying. You can get to a place where you know too much. And because you know too much, you cannot receive what Jesus is doing. And so it would actually be better off 
if you didn't know. It'd be better off if you were blind. The people who think they know everything, they struggle receiving the simplicity of Jesus Christ. Because when you think you know everything, you draw your own conclusions. And the whole process about scripture and following Jesus is to allow the word of God. The Holy Bible, in case you didn't know this, is inspired by God, which means everything that happened, the Holy Spirit is what made the pen write. So it's the character of Jesus. And Jesus goes on to say, if you've seen me, you've seen my father, which means everything that Jesus does is a reflection of who God is. And so Jesus is saying, listen, if you're not careful, you will know so much that you will bypass what I'm trying to do, evident in scripture, and you will miss me because you can see too much. So it's better for you spiritually if you become blind. It's better for you and me to allow the Holy Spirit to challenge what we know, to arrive at the table and go, you know what? I'm putting it all out there. This is what I know. This is what I don't know. And when that happens, you start to allow Jesus to be the one who draws your conclusions. Let me illustrate for you why this is really important. Let's pretend for a moment that Pictionary existed in Jesus' day, right? It would probably have been some type of sharp object and like a rock, but let's pretend like it happened. And so Jesus says, all right, now this drawing, please bear with me. I've not practiced this, so if you don't like it, so be it. You preach. Um, but but here, here's the deal. If Jesus said, I'm going to, to draw a conclusion for these people that is the gospel, right? Because technically what he's doing with this man who was born blind, right? He was born into sin, which brought suffering. By faith, he went to the water. He experienced religious kickback. Um, he, he was excommunicated by the world, and now he followed Jesus. That's really the gospel, if you want to be honest. We're born into sin. We're saved by faith. We always come face-to-face with religion, religious jargon. We're excommunicated from the world, and then we believe and follow Jesus. So that's really what Jesus is doing, but let's take it to the Pictionary level, okay? And let's say Jesus would have said, Y'all know what this is? Okay, I'm not doing a good enough job yet. Huh? huh? The nativity scene, okay. For those of you watching, this is the nativity scene, okay? All right, so Jesus would have drawn this, and then Jesus, <laughs> this is gonna be great. Jesus would have said, uh, Lord, forgive me. <laughs> a dinosaur. Everybody know what this is? I don't know, I don't know. Okay, okay. <laughs> I should have practiced this. This is the donkey that Jesus rode in on, all right? Everybody's like, oh, my, help him, Jesus. Okay. Y'all got it. 
if Jesus starts to draw this out for them, they actually stop him in the process. If he says, hey, the king is gonna be born in a manger. No, no, that can't happen. That's not where kings are born. So they would have stopped him. Do you know why they would have stopped him? Because of what they know. And he would have said, hey, I'm gonna ride in on a donkey on Palm Sunday. They would have said, no, 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 you're not, no, you're not. Kings don't ride in on donkeys. We need to, somebody needs to carry you on something. They would have said, it can't happen that way because of what they know. And then can you imagine what would have happened if he would have started drawing this? Because what they knew is that he was going to be the king. So they knew he would be born with a silver spoon in his mouth and he would be worshipped from day one and he would take his place on the throne and he would excommunicate Rome. That's what they knew. But this is the gospel. Baby Jesus born in a manger. Un, not known about for years, only to come in on a borrowed donkey, only to be beaten, crucified, and killed. This would have been the conclusions that Jesus would have drawn. But they would have never been able to receive it because of what they know. Now, I know I went a long way to tell you this, and I probably could have said this and we could have went home. But most of the things that Jesus is doing, you would stop him right now. You would stop him in the middle of drawing him because of what you know. But Jesus knows what he's doing. So it's important for us to allow him to be the one who draws the conclusions. We're like, I don't know, 20 days away from 2021, something like that. And you're going to start trying to draw conclusions on how this year went. Please don't let yourself be the one that does it. Let Jesus do it. Lay out what you know and what you don't know. But let Jesus be the one who draws the conclusions. When it comes to your mental health, when it comes to your faith, when it comes to your relationships, don't let yourself be the one who draws the conclusions. Humble yourself and let Jesus be the one. Right? So one last thing, I'll be done. I thought to myself, how, how do I let Jesus be the one that draws my conclusions? I let go of what I know. I get that part. But sometimes I have to draw conclusions on quick, right? So how do I get to a place where Jesus, how do I do that? And the Lord reminded me of something what gave the theme to the message. We first moved here, our first Thanksgiving here, we didn't go home to family. And so we had what they call a Friendsgiving. And we had, I don't know, six or eight families from the church. And we were all hanging out together, eating food. And we decided we wanted to play a game, so we played Pictionary. And uh, Brian and Erica's daughter, Genesis, we call her Gigi, she got up to draw something. And this is what she drew. Good luck. When I play Pictionary, I'm always the joker. So I'm always trying to shout out stuff just to throw you off. I was completely silent because I knew that there's no way this was something that any human being would ever know, right? Like there's, there's you got nothing. 
I was like, cupcake? I, I didn't know, I mean, I knew nothing. And people are yelling, and so the guy, we were in guys and girls groups, and so the guys are yelling just to throw them off, and the women are yelling all this stuff that they know, and then all of a sudden, right, in the middle of, does anybody got this before I make this illustration? Potato, okay. All right, all right, I'm glad that nobody knows. Okay, so, out of nowhere, over all the women is this voice, and this voice said, winter squash. And Gigi goes, yes, yes. And I'm like, what? It's like, somebody, who, who cheated? Like, I knew right then, somebody cheated. There's no, no human being on planet Earth gets winter squash out of this. And all the women kind of moved like the splitting of the Red Sea. And there was her mom. And there was just this moment where you knew, ah, it's because of the relationship. I don't have that kind of relationship with Genesis. So I can't pick up on what she's doing. I can't draw her conclusions. But somehow her mom could. Because they were like this. I did every bit of this to tell you right now. What our world needs more than anything are Christ followers who are drawing Christ conclusions. And the only way we can do that, step one, you got to let go of what you know. But step two, it's in relationship. Your proximity to Jesus determines how quick you can pick up on what he's doing. And when nobody around you can see it, you can see it. When everybody's going, oh, the world's just gone to poop emoji. You can say, no, 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 no. I see something. I think that might be winter squash. Because there's relationship there. Does that make sense? Church, more than ever, we are in a culture that is so quick to explain what they know. And it's impacting what they see. And Jesus walked earth with literally the goal and purpose to challenge what we know. We have got to get back to a place where we're reading his word and we're in relationship with him and he's influencing what we know so that when it comes time to draw conclusions, we're drawing Christ conclusions. Father, we thank you right now for your word. I know it's a little bit more of a teaching message, God, but I think it's so on time. I think we need it more than ever. I think we need to put our face back in the Bible and we need to seek what you did and what you said so that when things begin to happen around us when frustrations come and fear comes there's a temptation to draw our own conclusion but if we'll work on our relationship with you and if daily we come before you, then you are allowed to begin to impact those conclusions. And even though it doesn't look like you're doing something, we'll be patient. And we'll be able to see exactly what it is you're doing. I want to pray right now for every person that's here, every person that's watching online. 
there is no doubt that over the past nine months, there have been areas in your life that you have personally drawn some conclusions. And I want to ask you right now to allow Jesus Christ to challenge those. What does his word say? Read about his faithfulness. Read about his love. Read about his commands. And spiritually, he can pick up that eraser and he can erase your conclusions and begin to draw his own. Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.